Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. Hello, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. Noelle here today with a special guest, Paul Chamberlain. Paul, hello and welcome. How are you? I'm good, Noelle. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I am delighted to be having this conversation. Um, Paul is a serial entrepreneur, instructor of entrepreneurship, Lumia alum, creative executive, coach, and most importantly, one of my dear, dear friends. And I am delighted to be introducing the world to more members of our Lumia family and to be getting into coaching today. Do you want to give us a little bit of an expansion beyond my cliff notes? Orient our listeners. Who are you in the world? My, my name is Paul Chamberlain, and um, I'm a dad and a creative executive, and um, now somebody who has found their purpose, and I've turned it into coaching. It's become a integral part of my life because I've been able to integrate my past life into the coaching and that's what's made it really fun. Um, mm. it's, it's been, it's been a long winding road to get here, uh, from the early days of the dot-com boom to ending up being a chief creative officer of an esports company here in Vegas. So, um, there were a lot of things in between and a lot of things in between led to my decision to become a coach and coming in contact with people who helped me find my way. A lot of folks come into the space of coaching with coaching being their, their really their first experience with entrepreneurship. And it's this idea of freedom. I want to have my own practice. I want to have my own brand, my own niche. I want to help others. As we know, the landscape of coaching is shifting really dramatically from solopreneur to corporate position to firm to wellness to hospitality. And I think what's really interesting about your story is that you have so much experience with entrepreneurship already. Can you talk a little bit about entrepreneurship itself and what it's really like <laughs> to to be to be launching something that is yours whether you are you know a coach or whether you are um you know doing any of the other things that you've done yeah it's i teach at the university level i teach here at unlv and i teach social entrepreneurship and i used to teach um, entrepreneur organizations but the one thing that i would tell my students every single time because the end semester project was creating a company. It was creating a deck to pitch with. And I would tell them, I go, don't you dare come to me with something that's market driven. Do not, do not go to, you know, tonight and Google what are the hottest companies of 2023 and then build a deck around that. I don't want that. I don't want to see an app. I don't want to see a dating app. I don't want to see any of the crap that's out there. What I want to see is something that you will marry your life to for the next 10 years that you believe mm -hmm. in, that when you stand before a funder or somebody who's going to help you get on your feet, they're going to leave meeting you going, Jesus, that that's the guy. That's, that's the horse I want to bet on. 
Yeah. You never get that with something that is purely analytical and logistical. And it's like, this is where I should be putting my energies. Yes, there should be that as well. But man, this, you as an entrepreneur, you are going to engage in something that is going to cost you relationships, cost you money, cost you time. But then it's also going to gain all those things on the other side that you have no idea of knowing. It's a crapshoot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there were a couple of things that you said that were really important. Number one was the concept of something being market driven. Um, in my own work around coaching, one of the things that I'm always looking at are the trends and the direction that the market is heading in. So I think it's an important distinction to make between, you know, what's, what's an example of something that we know is coming versus something that currently exists that folks might be looking to copy. And yeah. where my mind goes is two places. Um, one is uh, the current push that's happening right now towards collectivism and groups in coaching. We know that the consumer market is hungry for connection and groups and joining. And there are a couple people who are doing it, but it's not really mainstream right now. And then another one um, is my wheelhouse, the world of sexuality coaching, where this is just starting to hit as a really viable coaching niche and people might be gravitating towards that space. So if we're looking at this and our listeners saying, well, how the hell do I do this, right? Um, I might take what, what you shared and say, all right, how do you dive into your authentic connection within the landscape? Mine was, what What have I been coached on? What have I gone to therapy on? What would I want to see a coach for? And do I have a handle on it? And that's sort of how I found my way to shame. And shame is what I specialize in helping people process. Because, you know, six years ago, I had a therapist sit across from me and go, you're a mountain of shame. <laughs> and it was pretty accurate. I mean, saved a lot of money because it nailed it right there. And then I'm a creative to my core, to the day I die. I can't go to these market research reports that you go through and go, okay, where's the niche under <laughs> shame-based creatives? Uh, wait, there's nothing in here for that. But then it's like, I can stand behind this and I can look at this as my block of marble, as my lump of clay. This is where I'm going to start. I'm sure as hell not going to lean in. Okay, leadership is hot. I could fake it, I guess, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna work. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and that's that's the core is is that feeling of am I faking it or not? Now, um, you are now on the other side of coach training. You are now certified and fully out there. You know, working as a coach. What was that? progression like for you from the beginner's mind of like, how the hell do I do this? Am I doing it right? Yeah. To the position of having clients that tell you that you're changing their life. What was that internal experience like? Because I think sometimes newbies get confused of like, you're learning a new craft, that's legit. And then really sinking into that authenticity. It's, 
it's a journey that everybody goes through. And now in, in retrospect with other coaches and other Lumini, Lumia alums, we joke about it is that you are so fixated on staying within the guardrails imposed by your teachings at Lumia and ICF. And it's like, Oh my God, I've, you know, I've got to do this and I've got to do that, that you forget the, the music and the magic of your heart, which led you to coaching in the first place. And so it's, it's really just like, like rock climbing or riding a bike. The first time you do it. Okay. You're just tense. Your, your forearms are tired. Your heart rate is elevated. Six months later, different story. And that's sort of, that's sort of the deal with coaching. The things that make you relax is the feedback is, mm-hmm. and if anybody has the opportunity to be thrust into a group setting, whether it's observational um, or, or participating, it, th- that's phenomenal because then you're, then you're getting all different. So that's, if that's one thing that I would love to tell people is that if you can put yourself in a mentorship situation where somebody's allowing you to be present in a group situation, that is invaluable. That's why I love what we do at Lumia because the entire org is focused on collective experiences, groups, mentorship is baked right into the training, which we love to give people those experiences. And I think this is um, a great segue into your area of specialization, which is shame, because oftentimes when we're in that position of, am I doing it right? How do I speak up? How do I speak out? That's where people get frozen and coaching itself is a verbal discipline. We have to speak <laughs> as yeah. coaches. And yeah. so there's that very real juxtaposition of, of almost walking yourself over the bridge of fear to get to a point where, where you're, you're able to really kind of deliver verbally. Yeah. Um, I was used to be really scared podcasting. That was something that used to terrify me, having my face be on video, were my thoughts good enough, were my words good enough, you know, does anyone care? Um, you also, were, were you podcasting before you were coaching? Yes, and I was helping a lot of people get their podcasts put together, but I was so self-conscious about it that I was like, because I knew so much about it. I'm like, I could never be somebody that was just going to flip on garage band and start pontificating. That's, I could never do that. That's bullshit. I'm not going to, I need, I need a brand. I need a purpose. I need a theme. So I would put up all these barriers before I even got started. Yeah. So funny story about that. And me, the reason that we have Lumia as a company is because I put up so many barriers to starting my own coaching practice that I built a whole freaking company <laughs> in, order, in order to avoid the thing that we're talking about. And here we are today, right? That's so, great. That's a nice fun yeah, fact. It is. It's a good fun fact. Um, and, and even down to, you know, my very first profile picture as a coach, I had my sunglasses on and John said, you have to take your sunglasses off. Noel, <laughs> you can't have a profile picture with sunglasses on. So that aspect of hiding and stacking is super real. How, what was it like for you launching your brand, 
what, what is your brand? Tell us about it. And then walk us through that inception and then moving to one-on-one clients. My brand is smart, funny, tortured. That is who I coach. That was, and all right, is who I am <laughs> as well. And that goes back to where the, the comfort level is like if you are coming from a place of authenticity and knowing yourself and knowing that moment where it's like, like me with shame, I literally feel like, give me the mic. I got this. All right. I, I can talk about this. If, if you're coaching from that place, that makes it great. And I had an extremely um, powerful and insightful coach who helped me at um, a really dark time of my crisis and I did a weekend intensive with him and it was off site and it was pretty, it's pretty powerful. And at the end I told him that I could be inspired to coach mm. and he's like, okay, well, who would you coach? And man, it was like a wand hit me in the back of the head. And I said, smart, funny, tortured people. I go, I, I go, I know them. That, that is my tribe. Those are my people. And that was really helpful in determining where I wanted to go with coaching. Once again, it mm -hmm. wasn't about a market. It was about the type of people that I wanted to coach. And um, I know that some of the master coaches that work with Lumia, um, Rena Martin as one that comes to mind, is somebody that didn't, and this could be you know presumptuous on my part to assume, she didn't necessarily go for the market of sexual intimacy and shame-free sex. She went for the person that she couldn't help in her previous job, the women that mm -hmm. were unseen, that weren't being helped by the system. So she went after the person instead of the market. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that fact is, is so important for coaches to really wrap their head around because the person who's coming to you is trying to solve their own unique problem, right? So your client is going to come for the problem. So if you're thinking intensely about that human and what keeps them up at night and how you might be able to soothe them with your knowledge, your practice, your gifts, your content, that's where we have that intersection of, yep. of successful, successful practice. So, how did you do it? How did you begin to have one-on-one -on -one clients find you? It was, it was authentically telling my story. I mean, it was actually, you know, one of my first clients was actually a, a doctor. And he's like, so what's going on? And I started telling him where I was going with coaching and how it had empowered me and how passionate I felt about it. And he literally was like, that's I I'm in, I, I want that. That's it. And I was like, geez, what? I don't even have a website yet. And he's like, no, he goes, I can, I can feel this. And that was, that was legitimizing. That was, that was really, that was crazy how that comes up. And you will notice that once you find that groove, it happens organically. Now that's very, you know, it's woo woo. And I know that they're, you know, I I'd be on the other side of the speaker rolling my eyes right now going, yeah, okay. That sounds like a hell of a marketing plan, but it, it is truly when you slip into that place of authenticity where you're not serving the market, but you're serving that person who hasn't found you yet. That's when stuff starts to click. I, and I agree with you. So despite my best efforts to avoid a private practice, I have one. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a website. 
I don't advertise. I've been coaching for 12 years and I have sustained a consistent practice through word of mouth only. Yeah. Simply by being authentic about what I do and, and what I do, most people don't even know what it means. I do colonized mind coaching, right? So like that's where, where I'm at in, in the radical system at this point. It's, it's, it's looking at the colonized mind. How do we wish to overcome the systemic barriers that have been imposed on us? And it's a really special person who shows up at my doorstep that's like, let's crack my brain and soul open, right? <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's the beauty of it is that you've you've found that person. I mean, I used to have this, you know, I still do this idea of the type of coach that I wanted to be. I didn't want to be the guy with the website or you know even the pipe. I wanted to be the guy that two people were in a bar in Soho, <clears throat> and a guy slides a number across on a cocktail <laughs> napkin. And go, I know a guy. Call this. Call this guy. <laughs> that's the kind of coach that I want. It, this is like in a certain strata. Kind of like, you know, this secret weapon. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that could that could play out with any number of professions, Paul. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Like, this could, cool. <laughs> this could this could expand. Yeah. <gasps> All right. So people started to come to you one on one, same way as me, just like word of mouth, authenticity, interacting with you, interacting with you online, interacting with you in person. Was it your personal sphere? How did you start to expand that bubble? It was, it was starting to come online and then also doing, um, being exposed to group facilitation. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you what the irony of it all is the podcast became a limiter. People, huh. because I had a podcast, people were thinking like, oh, you're too busy. You know, do you have, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm sitting in a closet recording this. This is, you know, I'm not in a studio shuttling between meetings. It's like, yeah. and so that was a really interesting thing. So I had to make myself accessible again in a certain, in a certain way. So yeah, it was, I, and truth be told, I have not made a concerted effort to make my marketing efforts the tip of the spear to go after one-on-one -on -one clients. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to realize that me personally, I wish to coach at scale. I wish to do things that I can group settings, um, tools, and, um, and then the, the one-on-one -on -one are the ones that I too, am going to enjoy and get something out of that. It's not like I got five, five clients today and six on Thursday. Oh, okay. Christ. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to follow that progression from individual to group to scale, because I think a lot of folks, when they come into the space of coaching, feel that one-on-one -on -one is, is truly one of the only outlets. Yeah. Um, what has been your experience building to a group setting? How did you get into it? What do you do? What do you like about it? Um, the whole way I found Lumia was <laughs> um, through our good friend, John Kim. Um, at, again, um, in a very rough time in my life, I was walking through the Burbank airport and I went to the bookstore and I saw I used to be a miserable fuck. And I was like, mm -hmm. wow, they're making print on demand books just for me now. Okay. I bought it. Mm -hmm. um, it really resonated with me. I enjoyed the style. And then two years down the line, I found that John was the co-founder of Lumia. And I'm like, okay, this talks to me. All right, I can, I can dive into this. 
and um and through that wonderful discovery has led me to a circus of new friends and new opportunities and great people yourself included and john seeing something in me that i didn't see in myself and bringing me into the fold and having me work with shame with one of his retreats and his groups and that has blossomed both in my confidence my relationship with john and my relationship with coaching Awesome. John is also responsible for me being the circus master, I might add. Um, that uh, The same thing happened to me where he said, wow, you're really talented. Do you want to join my team? And I was like, sure. And, <laughs> and so, you know, we can we can thank John for 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 much of this. Um, yeah. He's, I mean, his generosity of spirit is his superpower. It is. It truly is. And, and I, I think that that spirit definitely resonates through Lumia. And I also find that it resonates through the space of coaching itself, because everybody's really quite in it together as yeah. a coach practitioner with, um, you know, a field that is truly just beginning to advance within the public's consciousness. Um, and I, I love being around other coaches because everyone is so generative and everyone yeah. is so po positive because we're experts at reframing. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, it, it, I see little mini sessions happening all over the place whenever there's a, a coaching gathering, which is, is really cool. Okay. So let's talk about scale. Yep. When you think about scale, that's something that can be really intimidating to people. And something that I often think about is um, I'm not nearly as as publicly visible as John is, or even perhaps, you know, as you are. And yet I know I have um, through and within Lumia kind of a small folk following. Yeah. And my everyday life is really boring. Like, yes, I do run a company at scale, but my lived experience is still very much in my modest home and my modest body. So when we think about scale, can you help break down the fear barrier for folks? What does that mean? It's essentially taking your gifts that you want to bring to coaching and figuring out a way to give them to more people and expending less energy on your part as you do in a one-on-one -on -one session. Because if you're doing coaching right, you should feel spent by the end of the day. <laughs> you know, you, you've left it on the field. You've given somebody your attention. You've active listened your ass off and it's, it's tiring. So how can I do this with economies of scale? And that's, what's so great about the world that we live in now is there are the opportunities have never been richer nor more profitable to have a tight and right fan base or listener base or client base than having 10,000 followers. If you've yeah. got 500, 250 ride or die clients or fans or followers, that can be incredibly impactful. And that can also be sustaining both financially and, you know, spiritually. That's not a big number to hit. 
yeah. that, you know, and, and that's, I think that's really important to, to think about in terms of the way that we create content, curate it, and so on. Something that you have been working on and that I have had the wonderful benefit of being the recipient of some dork outs is AI yep. and coaching. Um, you're developing a course on AI and coaching. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit. I, I'm, I mean, this is a broad and great topic. I've been so impressed by the way you've harnessed this in your own practice. What drove you to say, I need to make this for other people? It, it's because it is tailor-made for coaching if utilized properly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had it's it's now been adopted all over the place i've heard other people using the same kind of construct of language but you know ai is not going to kill your coaching practice coaches who understand ai are going to kill your coaching practice this mm -hmm. is we're right back in 1985 1990 with printers you know spitting on photoshop and PageMaker. And all this freehand and the Macintosh. It's that kind of thing. Steve Jobs called the computer the bicycle for the mind. This is, you know, this is an F45 kind of situation now for, um, for coaching. And I've been in my career, I started off in video games, started off in coding. I saw the dot-com boom. Then... I was involved in the world of streaming at the beginning in 2000, in the early 2000s, saw that explode. Now, here we are, streaming is what rules our life. And now this, this is a profoundly important moment in humanity. And I know that sounds like hyperbole, but the merging of tech and humanity is coming together in such a way that it is beholden to us as coaches to understand what the hell is going on. And that goes to, you know, just mobile devices, augmented reality, virtual reality, AI, all this stuff is not the, you know, purview of 16 year olds playing call of duty anymore or being on your phone. Um, it's, it's integrated into our life. When you fire up Netflix and you get, recommendations on what to watch that's ai at work when you yeah. are served up ads that's ai at work um so when ChatGPT came out and use and i saw language-based models and the way that they were doing and the way that it was parsing information i just kind of chuckled to myself and i'm like oh god here we go this is awesome talk to me about the progression of how to educate people because when when folks are coming into a space and they're like all right you know i see this happening in the world around me i can add value mm -hmm. to the lives of coaches i can support you know our industry how did you go about curating the information that's going to go in your course and how did you think about your audience it's it's been a process and and as you know i've kept you abreast on it it has been because it started off and it was incredibly you know prosaic and very academic and then the then a pew research study came out that that said only 14% of americans had ever even touched chat gpt 54 had only heard of ai and so that meant that 86% 
of people hadn't really interacted with it yet. And mm. so I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to scale this back. So I broke it up into two courses. There's AI basics for the modern coach and AI mastery for the modern coach. And the AI basics is like, this is what it is. This, this is exactly what ChatGPT is. This is the difference between Alexa and Bard. You know, the, these kinds of things. Like, okay, wh- what are we talking about? What does it do? What are the misconceptions? Is it going to kill my coaching practice? Is it going to fire nuclear missiles in five years? You know, I mean, all these things that we hear and give a basic understanding. And I really want to bring it to a level where I'm like, Hi, welcome to the class. Check out these cool new brushes. Mm. I don't know what you're going to paint. I'm not going to tell you how to hold it, but I'm going to show you what is available. Knock yourself out. Go for it. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I could use a course that is designed in that way for almost every single facet of modern life at this point, because I'm one of the dinosaurs. I'm like, how does this work? You know, what is it? How do I access it? And my inclination is to avoid it and sidestep it. But the way that you're presenting the information um, feels really accessible to me. And, and that's exciting. Yeah, it's it, it. The integration has been organic. The integration has also been in tune with my with my loves and my passion. The first the first thing that happened, I did not use ChatGPT right off the bat. What I used was Midjourney, which is the graphic generator, um, yeah. text to graphics, where you can type in something and it will give you an image back. Um, I had a client who was, I work in metaphor. That is, that is a massive underpinning of my practice is that's just where my brain goes. That's how I like to communicate. So metaphor and analogy. And I, we were talking about barriers and I said, well, describe to me what your barrier looks like. And he's like, it's like a big steel door. And I'm like, okay, I'm a, we've seen all the heist movies. I'm like, how do they blow a steel door? And he's like, well, they usually put those cool little charges around the door frame and then bam, 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 and they blow. And while he was doing that, I was at mid-journey and I said, give me a photorealistic image of a vault door being blown by tiny explosive charges. And he gave me this beautiful picture of this metal door with it. And not taking away from the session, not listening to my client, let's just say that, but I was able to generate it pull it and I texted to him and I go look at your phone and he looked at it and he's like holy shit I'm printing this out and putting this on my refrigerator and it was like it sounds so mundane but giving a client a souvenir at the end of their session has been like the most I don't care how what language and how well I stay within my ICF parameters that blew everything out of the water oh yeah well and let me pull the, the the curtains back for a little bit, you know, what you did in that moment was engage in real time in the science of priming. The science of priming is what's used um, in sports psychology, visualization to help folks remember the image that's going to get them to their goal state. So being able to generate images in this way for clients is actually 
reinforcing what our brains are capable of doing, it, it, it speeds up our capacity for advancement because we're no longer relying on the mind generated image. We, ought, we have a secondary image that's been prompted by the mind that really seals the deal from a neuroplasticity perspective. Exactly. Yes. Thank you for putting, for putting a fine point on that because the, the excitement and the energy of both of us feeding off of each other in this. Now we, now we've got an anchor. Now we have a linchpin to our discussion. Now we have something yeah. that we can chuckle about. And that's the beauty of that's how AI is used. It's, you know, you're literally sitting at your desk and you're yelling across the office. Hey, mid journey, fire me up an image, you know, based on this, Hey, I need it. I, you know, it's, it's that kind of, if you can think about it in that, not something usurping your authority or coming in and doing a better job than you, it's you activating a tool that you've never had before. That's going to make your, the way you coach better. This'll, this'll be available, you know, widely and as i understand it the way that you're designing the course anyone can take it at any time yep it will be automated from a business perspective from a scaling perspective this is something that you're putting a lot of work into up front but once you once you launch and folks are taking your course what do you expect the maintenance to be like on this one unfortunately a lot because there okay. isn't a, there there isn't a week that goes by where AI news doesn't change. So I sure. think that, so the okay. fundamentals will be there in place, but it'll also be once again there's another avenue for communication with the people who take the thing, whether in newsletters or social media posts or blog posts. So you so it's a living organism, which is really good. It's you know passive, you know a passive income source really isn't. Yeah. But but it's sort of what I want in this video on demand, and then. It's, it's scary for me because all this stuff is coming out of my head, but I'm like, okay, I need to establish a curriculum. I need to put this in language of somebody coming. I need to make this accessible. I need to make this exciting for somebody because mainstream media and certain things that are put out there are, you know, have really done a disservice to the potential of what we have in store. I firmly believe that in a few years, we're going to wake up one morning and we're going to get the news report that says, yeah, we got cancer knocked because AI right now in some corner, there is a server farm churning away at molecules and genetic structures, you know, thousands of times faster than human beings. I mean, there are things that the benchmarks that they had set for AI for doing certain things were 30 years out. There have been things that had benchmarks that long that are getting crushed in six weeks, eight weeks time. So it's, it's the wild west right now. You're so you're not wrong. Um, interestingly, I had the privilege of sitting in a meeting. It was a group coaching session for, for female leaders. And one of the women that was with me is starting the first ever AI-based cancer research think tank. Doesn't exist yet. She's in, she's in the seed round phase. Her goal is to get a Nobel laureate on her team, and then they will take it to market. So, so this is happening, you know, in, in, real, in real time. And I love that you're presenting this from the standpoint of tools. I can imagine that 
folks who interact with you on this will also want help like real time help. How do I do this? How do I build this? How do I work with this? So I could see a world where this might bubble back into more groups, more. I could, I could too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the goal is because there are, you know, I can explain how I use it, but it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, how do I set up a discord server so I can get mid journey? I mean, there, that, just, <laughs> that just, you know, that just sounded like, you know, garbled language to somebody who's never even heard that before. So yes, there, there are, there are certain things in place and it will get easier. I mean, I remember (laughs) I am of an age where I remember the internet before browsers where I used to (laughs) sign into an X files fan user group and you'd literally type a command and go make dinner while it was churning and then come back and check out what it said. And I also remember sitting at my desk at Sega looking at a news report and laughing with friends saying that Microsoft internet Explorer had a 4% market share. And they're like, Oh yeah, Bill Gates is never going to pull it off. They're never going to have a browser. I mean, just stuff like that. So life, life comes at you fast. Don't, don't place any bets right now. The wheel spin. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think that's a really hopeful tone also. I mean, life is coming at us fast, but as coaches, especially, um, reframe, reframing resilience, swift change based on observation is is what we do. That's yeah. that is how we are are trained to maneuver through the world. And so, if anybody has a shot at harnessing the new and the next as it's coming, yeah. I think that that coaching is the right frontier to model um, effective usage of this technology. The other thing that coaches are extremely well versed in and extremely well suited to do is if I can explain just the process of how I use another tool in in coaching, um, I use a particular tool that doesn't record the session, but it listens to the session and then gives me a transcript of the session. And it will also give me an AI summary of that session too, which sometimes works great, but um, staying within the parameters, and this is something that I go into in the course of ethics, privacy, and best practices for this information that you're getting back. Um, I scrub the transcript, I scrub the summary from any kind of identifiable, um, you know, language that would hurt the privacy of the session. So mm-hmm. I take that scrubbed transcript, put it into chat GPT. Um, and then I say, find patterns, word uses, themes within this discussion. Bam, bam, bam. Wow. Gives me that. Okay. From those, give me three bullet points of the top themes and word uses. Bam, bam, bam. Okay. From point two, now give me three follow-up questions for the next session based on point two. Bam, bam, bam. Now give me exercises based in cognitive behavioral therapy or this modality that I can give to the client. Bam. Okay, now give me an article with a hyperlink that I can send to the client. So within 20 minutes, you can send something to your client that is completely overwhelming. It's like, holy shit, this person really is at the top of their game. And it was like, yeah, I didn't break a sweat. I did it while my hot water was getting hot. Yeah, and what you just described would probably take me about two to three hours. (laughs) But it's... 
it's, but what I said is like coaches are perfectly attuned to this is that you learn to use that language based AI um, assistant in a way that you would talk to somebody as a coach, you start asking questions or going, okay, now do this, wait a minute. And the way that you construct prompts and it's instruction of it is intuitive questioning and going, okay, wait, I'm going to reframe that. Let me see if I can get a different result this way. And so you're just not going, hi, give me a transcript of this or give me a summary of this. It's like, wait a minute. I noticed that you use that, that the client used this word or this phrasing three times. What can I draw from this using the influences of Carl Jung, using the influences of Heidegger, you know, using the influences of Esther Perel, and then it'll whoosh, it'll give you something else. Awesome. Yeah. I am excited for this course, like, seriously, like, first of all, because this is the kind of stuff that I would love to get into and start and start doing, um, especially with a background in academia and research, you know, that's, that's what I do. And it sounds like this could speed up the process of discovery so much. So the reason I'm excited about this is, um, is synthesis. So what, what AI can't do for us is the specific synthesis. When, when I was trained to make the mental transition from master's level to PhD level thinking. When you're at master's level, you're reporting. You're reporting back information that you've learned and you're writing about it. When you move to the PhD level, you're trained to move into synthesis where you're taking different ideas, bringing them together to create something new. And so it sounds like using AI, you'd be able to give yourself a whole bunch of different ideas to draw from in order to build new thought very quickly. It, it, is, it is the intellectual, it is tantamount intellectually to a cyborg. You are a cybernetic organism. I know that that has horribly dark science fiction overtones, but those of us, again, of an age, remember the $6 million man and the bionic woman. These were humans whose abilities were augmented by technology. They were better, fa- faster, stronger. This is what I truly believe is we're headed with this when used responsibly and also strategically. And yeah. you, can, you can be in, there's literally a blast radius around you as a coach when you really get this rolling. And you really know what you're doing with it. It's just one. Look, we could not, we could not be the coaches that we are today without Zoom. That mm-hmm. w- that is synthesis. Yep. You know, that is what you're talking about. We could not be the coaches. <laughs> we could be without our phone, without calendar apps, without all the tools that we use. You could you couldn't be the coach that you wanted to be without tarot cards if that was your thing you couldn't be the coach that you know so we need things to synthesize into our practice that was a very beautiful segue into yet again another of your awesome projects oh, this, I, is, getting, like, this is getting tiresome I, I just try to get to the gym a couple times a week and paul's over there like creating and creating and creating you said that we all need tools to integrate into our practice. And one of the things that is often neglected in coaching, but 
is vitally important is um, based on the science of priming and our natural curiosity as humans. It's, it's visual play. Yeah. Visual play can be game changing for our clients. And I'm using puns all over the place here. Can you please tell us about shame the game and what else you are up to as a coach? <laughs> well, I was looking into market trends and everything. I came across, I think, I think it was actually from one of your podcasts. Um, it led me down the rabbit hole of discovering that one of the fastest growing segments of coaching and self-help were cards were these little yeah. card sets of daily affirmations or gratitude or sexual intimacy with your partner, all these little um, catalysts for discussion or action. And I'm like, hmm, wait a minute. Um, I used to work at Upper Deck, which was a baseball company. Um, we had a creative agency that had greeting. So I knew this space. I'm like, okay, wait, what? And then this is a really funny fact, but there's a Barnes and Noble buyer house that does bang up business. Um, it's always packed. And I noticed the tarot cards were behind the counter. And huh. I'm like, I'm like, why are the tarot cards back here? And they're like, because people steal them. I'm like, what? Like cold what? medicine? You got to keep it behind the counter? What is that's ridiculous? And they're like, yeah, they're so hot. People will rip. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. There's something here. So I, when, when I've talked about shame with people, I use the idea of a siege on shame, that this is a fortification that you are going to lay siege to, that you need to set a village on fire to declare intention that you're coming for it. And so I construct this, and it's been very helpful in dealing with clients and especially in groups. And I'm like, okay, what are the, what are the types of shame? And so I assign them like tarot cards. And then I'm like, okay, what are the triggers and activators for that shame? And then that's mm -hmm. another set of cards. And then it's like, what are, and then what's the intrinsic essence of your character at its best that would be able to reduce or ameliorate this shame? And so I created mm -hmm. these three sets of cards within one master set and design the artwork in mid journey, put it together. And then I constructed this. Um, then I prompt engineered kind of this construct that pulled from thought leaders, researchers, philosophers, and people that were specialized in shame. And so I've built it in a way that if you put together a particular matrix of cards, you can get a reading off of it. It'll tell you like, okay, you pulled this worth card, you pulled these shame cards and you pulled this trigger card, activating card. This is what, and it's, and it's a very, it's for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> it is not to diagnose or anything like that, but, and I've used it with other people and as they're going through the deck and they'll see one of the activator cards is like the broken trust. And it's literally, mm -hmm. It's literally a messed up bed. And they look at that card and they're like, oh, geez. Yeah, okay. And, or else they look at the resilient warrior card and they're like, yeah, that's me. I'm, or the breaker of chains or, you know, and, and so it initiates discussion. So if one person had the card, had the deck, they could just use it for journaling, being like, oh, shit, mm. this really brings us up. Okay, all right. Or two people, a couple, coming together for the first time in their relationship is a way to 
create discussion or be like to discuss, you know, trauma or experiences or shame that they've held that they want to share with a partner or use it in therapy. You know, it just initiates conversation as you're going through it. That's been the most powerful thing is when I have people go through the cards, they'll come across one and they'll just be like, they'll roll their eyes and just exhale and be like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. And that's been probably one of the most fulfilling experiences professionally in coaching is, is seeing how these damn little things spark conversation. Well, they're visually stunning, absolutely visually stunning. And, and the game itself is, is provocative. I think it's, you know, shame is a topic that even when we say the word, if you walked into a supermarket and just yelled shame, people would duck. Yeah. Because the, the, the word itself just evokes things that we must keep hidden. And, you know, very similar to the science of priming, the way you're using AI visualization within your sessions, what is working neurobiologically with the cards is the facet of externalization. Yeah. So somebody's able to take their feelings, their experiences, everything that they've internalized and pull it out of their body and make it 150% less scary because it's embodied in a card yeah. and they can hold it and they can see it and they can talk about it and it's outside of their body. It's not them. And it's, it's a wonderful way for people to channel the things that they might not have language for into the language of the set itself. That's, that is, that is the goal. I imagine myself sitting in a therapist's office and a therapist just handing me the purple velvet bag and going, go through this and just no, yeah. with, no, with no, with no preface or anything, just saying, go through this and being like, and then being, and having that moment where you're like, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. This, you know, I've had a couple of people where, you know, a tear has come to their eye. I mean, really? <laughs> did you, did you look over my shoulder on this one? And I'm like, and no, that's been probably the most common card people have pulled. You know, having those moments, th that's what's going to be really cool is getting the data of the readings and seeing what cards are getting pulled the most and things like that and start being able to generate data off of how people are aligning with these visuals. What, what's coming up for me and what I think is so profound about really pulling together the entirety of your story and product line from podcast to individual session to groups and retreats to courses to shame the game is, is that coaching focuses on the authentic experience of humanness and that what we do is truly to mirror back to the world and to other humans, what is, what exists, what is universal for all of us, whether it's a, a podcast that someone listens to, an individual session that someone experiences, a collective group, or sitting quietly by yourself, really trying to process um, your, your unique and yet universal experience with shame. Yeah, because it's, if somebody had told me 10 years ago that 
hey, your stock and trade is going to be the stuff that right now is making you physically ill and why you, you know, <laughs> why you're going to do ayahuasca, um, I would have laughed at them. Um, mm. It's, it was, it was the process for me, especially things changed for me when I saw Avengers Endgame and I saw Fat Thor. <laughs> that, that allowed me to connect visually, metaphorically, the hero's journey, all that stuff that resonated with me. I could sit in an office or I could sit before a coach and tell all my problems. But when I saw this fictional character of characters that I enjoyed, that age old path of, you know, hubris, the fall, suffering, redemption, when I saw it in a context that I could really relate to, it clicked for me. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take a swing and see if I can translate this into something that comes from my practice, comes from my heart, comes from me. Well, I am so glad that you did. And I am, I am so excited for the rest of this year to unfold so that we can have continued conversations about the data, the science. I'm excited to take the course and, um, probably see other Lumia peeps there because we all kind of follow each other around. <laughs> so that's the way it works. <laughs> um, thank you so much um, for this conversation. And, you know, oftentimes people who listen to this podcast are, are at the starting line and they are a lot of Lumia students tell me that they use this podcast as a companion as they're going through coach training and listen to it for comfort. Um, what, what advice would you give to anyone who's been at the starting line or as is so common to coaches, people who are circling and it's maybe even been years that they're circling this, this profession, what would you share? Is this a true question? Because we're not supposed to give advice as coaches. Well, no, this, this is a, this is, Come on. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I had to take, it was low hanging fruit. I had to take that joke. Um, um, no, do it for one. That's my piece of advice. Because if you don't become a coach, the skills that you learn in Lumia will serve you in any profession, how to listen, how to be an em you know, an empathetic participant in life, in other people's lives. Um, to think strategically about the words coming out of your mouth and how they're best delivered. I mean, all these are core skills that we should have as, as human beings. But when you start to realize the power of how it helps, that's when you're like, oh, wait a minute, I can do this. And oh, I can pull in the things that I love and talk to people who are going to get me when I make a you know, a fat Thor, an AI or a geek metaphor reference that are going to be served by that. And I can get paid for that. Shit. I'm in. All right, let's go. Awesome. Awesome. The water is warm. Well, Paul, um, where, where should we direct people to find you? Um, at smartfunnytortured.com. Beautiful. And shamethegame.com is beautiful cards and the course will also be accessible off of smartfunnytorture.com 
awesome. And we'll put all the links in the show notes so that folks have them. Thank you so much for your time, for your company, for your expertise and insight. This was a beautiful conversation. And thank you, Noel, for everything you do at Lumia and what you've provided and what you've what what Lumia has given to me, both you and John. Um, it's been a it's been a great journey. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.